Hello everyone, welcome to For the Love of Weather podcast. Today is Weather Wednesday, which means that it's time for a new episode. My name is Gemma. Whoop, whoop. My name is <laughs> Ashley. I'm super excited. It's Weather Wednesday. Gemma's got a big bump in her head and I haven't slept since 2.30am. Yeah. So it's a little bit sore. It is. So our guest today is in for a bit of a bumpy ride. So we're going to apologise in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, speaking of which... Our guest today is our gorgeous friend, Chris. Now, Chris has many, many, many skills that I don't have. Gemma, I know you don't have them, but Chris... Well, I don't he, have them, no. He's able to program. He's one of these people. He programs the weather. Like, this is just a whole other level of stuff. I look at things and make stuff up. But, you know, Chris actually manages to program the weather. But his actual area of expertise is the insurance industry, which is so incredibly interesting particularly as more and more as we're going forward people are trying to plan against flooding and climate change but there's a whole bunch of other stuff about the insurance industry that existed way before all of that and Chris is going to tell us all about it today you are very welcome Chris to our podcast hi Chris. Oh, thank you thank you for having me sorry <laughs> if I uh, sound okay that's that's the main thing my um my partner always says that I put on like a special voice whenever I'm doing a meteorological call. Mm-hmm. So my voice kind of changes. I don't know but if you guys find that. We want a special voice because the weather is special. I special mean, vo- you, sound, yeah, you sound normal to me. You, will you sound, sound like normal you to, me, to me. But like we basically have three massive weather geeks here. So we probably all have a bit <laughs> of a special voice for weather. So yeah. it's, it's the excited. I've suddenly woken up and we're getting to talk about weather, which is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this, the yeah, it's like the telephone voice because we're so used to, I don't know, you guys, you know, for most of our jobs, we're talking to people all across the country on the yeah. telephone. You kind of like switch on and you come a little bit more like, presentary yeah. talking about it talking about the weather I do have a telephone voice but I've listening back to these podcasts I know that the telephone voice does not last the podcast <laughs> yeah that is my normal voice I can't keep out <laughs> it's so true gosh it's so 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 true but the love is in the voice we can feel the love from everybody chatting about the weather once we start digging and find out why they really love us it's the best part yeah it's you kind of get a little little twinkle a little kind of like spark whenever you just mention something meteorological yeah yeah kind of and lifts you up and you kind of just sounds a little bit more cheerful than my normal kind of phone calls or normal kind of talking during the day once you start talking about the weather it just makes you feel a bit better right I know because it's yeah I agree and also I'd be massively insulted Chris if you didn't have a bit of a sparkle in your voice you know oh yeah yeah, I'm just saying you know (laughs) you're on this podcast we're talking about the weather the world's a good place Gemma banged your head I haven't slept it's all good yeah (laughs) Okay, so Chris, we've been talking quite a lot there, but we actually know each other for quite a number of years, and we've all at one point had a career in the same place, and we've all had different expertise and different things, but Chris, you have gone down a road of insurance forecasting, but before we even get there, the best thing I love to know is, when was that first little spark of I'm going to get a job in the weather. I'm not sure what that means, but that's what I'm going to do. Take us back. Take us back. Oh, I had to go back quite a long time or so. I think my love of weather kind of, I think generally same as pretty for everyone that I kind of grew up in, in Rutland in quite a kind of rural kind of community. And I, it's not really much stuff to do in Rutland. So you spend a lot of your time 
outside. I spent a lot of time when I was a kid, you know, out in the garden playing. When you spend a lot of time outside, you just kind of see the weather coming in. That's how I remember it as a child. Rotterdam is quite, quite a magical place for weather, actually. And we were quite lucky where I grew up. We were kind of like just on the edge of this valley. So you had the whole of the valley across us. As you can see quite a large panoramic view uh, from our garden. So you can actually, particularly in like summer, we get some pretty impressive kind of thunderstorms developing in Rutland. You know, being in the centre of the country, that's where mm. thunderstorms in the, in the summer like form, uh, mm. either there or kind of if you've got down in France. I know quite a few of our friends like have the same kind of thing that growing up on like the south coast. You kind of can yeah. see the storms coming in. I think I kind of had that same experience of kind of, you look out, you just see it and you can kind of see the weather and you can see that kind of connection to kind of nature and the environment. I was then at school, I was always quite kind of maths and physics-y's and you wanted to go down that kind of science kind of route. But I think I wanted some some kind of use of it. Didn't really want to go into kind of theoretical or kind of just like pure numbers of maths are just coming out, oh, X equals five, you know, every day or with the weather every day what you're doing and producing is kind of like you can see the results you can go outside and see what your forecast was like so that's of, that's the thing though what like what you're what you just said there is that i see for a lot of people the weather is just maybe the weather on the telly but that doesn't go into details about like cloud height cloud depth the more complicated things that you might really want to know want to know about so tell us about the insurance industry give us give us you know if i you know give me a an elevator pitch of what is the insurance industry all about so we actually the insurance industry is this is this kind of massive kind of market and it has so many different fields like you said before it's it's really into every kind of aspect and every kind of aspect of the weather is kind of used within the insurance industry itself so our kind of basics or basic kind of products if you think about it that uh and the main kind of introduction to people for having in into the insurance industry is when you get weather damage in your house so if your house floods or you get wind damage you get a strong windstorm coming across so one of the things that we do or we provide in the insurance industry is the kind of the data behind that. So when you you ring up, you got you got some damage to your house or your house has been flooded, you ring up the insurance, your insurer. They will then use our tools, use our data we've can provided to it. Down, you can talk to them, and they can actually tell whether the weather at your location was enough for them to pay mm -hmm. the claim. As okay. always, as you can imagine, that uh, it's down to the insurer whether they mm -hmm. pay it more than just. Yeah. our tools it's always down to ensure whether they pay the kind of price itself yeah. as you want but what's quite okay. interesting is i don't know if you know this or people that view it in the the people you know used to us the kind of in the weather industry is just how few kind of weather observations there are across the country how can you actually yeah. define down to someone's house how strong the wind gust was was that strong enough to to kind of produce you know kind of damage is enough for our insurance to pay yes. so we're, we're always in kind of constant communication with our you know with our clients with the insurance industry saying you know what's the threshold if you pay for an event what, what's not going to be an event itself uh where can we data can we get better data in so that they can kind of accept the claim but also um reject the claim as well does it work the other way though so do you provide 
information to the insurance companies about events that may come so yeah so, so, so the insurers come to you come to you and say look this has happened we have this claim you know help us out with that but what about the other way how important is that to actually be providing continuous forecasts regardless of extreme weather events so tell us a bit more about that yeah so I, I think what our clients want to know and particularly what's strong with insurance clients and what what our clients like to do is they always like to provide the best customer service they, they want to know if an event's going to occur they want to know how many people are going to be ringing up their call centers because they want you know you as a insurance customer you don't really deal with your insurance or at least i don't you know you don't deal with your insurance company all the time do you it's no. not like a weekly monthly thing you're only going to probably claim on your house insurance a few times but your loyalty of paying it every year so what they want is is when you've got a claim or you've got a problem you can ring up you get through to someone straight away mm. so they want to know when a major event mm. is going to be occurring okay so, and do you look at do you look at return periods as well so if we've had like a really big windstorm would your uh, company come to you and say okay we've had this big windstorm how likely are we to see those in the next few years so they can prepare for that as well uh that's something slightly different i can probably get on to that another aspect of the insurance jam okay return periods. so we will what we then will produce is we'll actually for our forecast we won't just say here's a major storm we won't even say here's a major storm here's the peak wind gusts what we do is we basically don't tell our the insurance companies anything about the weather all we tell them basically their bottom line is is how many calls they're going to have mm-hmm. we'll, we'll bring up the company and say there's a major storm coming through say on saturday and this is the number of calls you're going to have from mm-hmm. that period they've then got uh, complicated matrices they know when when people are likely to call they then know what structures, who to call in, when to not. So for us, yeah, we're a weather forecasting company, but if anything, we are a an impact forecasting company. So it's clever that you can work out how many calls that they're gonna have. That's very clever that you can do that. Yeah. So that often that is based on uh the kind of uh like one of the aspects is is the return period of uh say a wind event or a um a rain event. Uh, slightly different so we looked at and we know and we've got complicated models that do this but, but basically as you as you can imagine if you get a, a wind storm that's got 70 mile an hour wind gusts but if it's occurring across somewhere let's say Cornwall or the Shetland Islands they get that quite regularly and mm. the houses built if they weren't they would have gone mm. whereas some other places uh, you know big in the east Norwich or so randomly you have the same amount of wind across the same number of properties you're going to get much more kind of claims yeah kind of and that can depend as well on the time of year time of year uh definitely um so again for us as you as we know main thing winter windstorm season which is particularly things of occurring in september or so you know september to march that's when mm. they kind of the large normal kind of period but we've noticed over the last couple of years we are starting to get earlier and earlier storms if you think about okay. this year particularly we had two named storms mm. for the for the uk in august so they were mm. they even got counted in and technically in last year's names before yeah this year so as you yeah. can imagine uh things like obviously in august you've got a lot more trees in full leaf so that you know they're more likely to come down and fall just as well 
people are about. We've had it before. We've had um, get a lot more like temporary structures, kind of mm, anything like yeah. large tents, large marquees set up for the summer. If you get these early oh, storms, yeah, yeah. much more kind of impacted in. From do it. you ever so look actually, at that? I was going to say, do you ever look at thunderstorms as well? Or is that not something that you would look at? Because obviously, if you got a really like a big cluster of thunderstorms coming up that gave you really frequent lightning. I remember doing a shift once when the lightning was just everywhere. It was absolutely crazy. But do you ever get, uh, do, would you ever have to sort of forecast for that sort of thing? We forecast for that. And then we try and forecast the impact. We forecast the number of kind of, so we, mm. we basically cover for the main ones is what you're basically getting short about. So we'll mostly cover, we cover winds, we cover flood or what we call sustained flood, but kind of river-based uh, flooding, yep. you know, kind of, you put it in the river, kind of bursts its bank, you come through. We also look at kind of surface water flooding, which is the main kind of impact in this country, I would say from thunderstorms, which can happen anywhere, really. That's where mm. just get um, a lot of things. You get a lot in, in London, particularly around by me, you know, you think about it, you just go huge kind of downpour of, of rain and particularly yeah. we've known the last couple of years people aren't necessarily cleaning the drains anymore there's a lot more leaf drains are getting full up and people are getting flooded i know that uh from us just talking about thing i live on the top of a hill next to a kind of chinese takeaway and if you were trying to model it high resolution hydrological model you go well this is never flood you know it's just going to run down the high street the drain outside of it fell massive thunderstorm all flooded in all flooded in into the shops Wow. someplace you couldn't go mm. so again it, it's trying to take that um, we also yeah. do freeze freeze is, is a large impact things like burst pipes so we, uh, okay. we can forecast the number of uh you know my number of burst pipe claims that are gonna occur and again with that member with the freeze is you can get it for a long time build up but it's when you get the thaw that actually claims come yeah. in so yeah. it's sometimes not necessarily forecasting the freeze conditions and sometimes as well for us, not necessarily forecasting the actual impact, but one of these impacts going to be. It's very varied. It sounds interesting. Does does the, so recently, so I think 2015 was the first year the Met Office had started a storm naming convention, you know, where the public get to name the storms. Does that impact your industry? Does it like raise awareness levels? Well, we've actually in the insurance industry, we use the German system or particularly the large insurance companies. We use the German naming system. Why is that? So for a lot okay. of our reinsurance ones, so Name Berlin, which has been naming pretty much every single low pressure and high pressure back to like the 1950s. So we have to, as a company, I have to name a storm, the German name. Mm-hmm. And then if it gets named by the Met Office, then we have to mm-hmm. name that. And then also... If it's named by the new, like Spain, uh, is it Portugal and France yeah. kind of? Yeah. yeah. If they name the system, yeah. then it will come second. But typically for the insurance industry, it's the German name will be the main name that's given to it. Why, why, why is that? Is that just because of the historical data that you have associated with that? Or is it that the insurance companies are largely European based? Was it just it's, because they've been naming the storms longer? <laughs> they've been naming the storms longer. It's as simple as that. It's, yeah. it's, um, particularly if you think about it, um, this is the German naming system, I must say, is more used for our kind of the reinsurance market. So that's okay. when, well, you know, I said earlier, I was like, oh, the kind of return period. Reinsurance, which is roughly kind of thinking about kind of like insuring the insurers. You're kind of like looking at 
what kind of impact so they're, they're these are the people with insurance companies that want to know about climate change how impactful is this wind system are we going to get more windstorms going forward what's this season going to be look like so they look at kind of like longer term and only really interested in the really large events of how that's going to change pricing the pricing for insurance across the whole market i was just going to say it's worth explaining to people that might not know that storms get named by different countries they might not know that if they listen to they might not know that so in the uk we might have a storm alex but that low pressure system that's moved up from spain that brings us sunset of weather might be named something different by the by someone else so it's mm. worth mentioning that to well, yeah which is why the storm naming centers now adopt the name of the storm yeah from the other storm make it a bit more straightforward so, yeah so we've got yeah. the northern storm center which is republic of ireland the uk and the netherlands and the southern one is portugal yeah. spain france and belgium so if they name one first we adopt that name yeah, I still get German confused now system. when they name something. I'm like, which name are we using? Are we yeah. using this name or that name? Or if it's a hurricane that's come over and it's oh. the remnants, are we using Ex- that name? Ophelia. I know. Oh, it's, it's so confusing it, sometimes. It's handy for Googling, though. It just, you know, it does make it easier, actually, to identify systems. I think I think I actually I like them. I like them. I, I do like them. Um, and it does mean also, as I say, that if you're trying to get warning out to people via yeah. social media, you use the hashtag and it means that people are able to see that information very, very quickly. And you can get them to take note of what's going on. Strong winds, yeah. heavy rain. So it is very useful. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really, it's really interesting, actually. Like your your take on on like a storm in August with everything in full leaf mm. and someone else's take with the storm in August and everything. Full, so that storm would happen. And then in media, we'd have like, I guess it may last for a day or so. Hopefully it would, it's not particularly a bad storm. But for you, that's when your work starts. Or for some of the media, that's where the work finishes. Yeah, for us, we're almost a complete picture. And actually, it's it's pretty incredible. You know, we, we will start and we'll start forecasting the same as everyone else. You know, as early as we can, we do, you know, seasonal forecast into that kind of longer, t- you know, mid-range, 10 to 5 days, giving people a heads up. And then mm. we're fully working on it for, for five days. The storm will occur. Then that's when we'll kick in and we'll show our observations. And then if it's a big storm, things with insurance companies, it can take years and we have people coming back and checking wow. our tool for years afterwards and looking back through that system so i am um, again uh, get a lot of people ringing up saying can you look at this storm you know this claim in particular but if it's a massive you know a really big claim coming in mm. it can take years and years and years That's these things to go on it, it's amazing because we mm. um we provide the tool as well which is quite interesting so i actually mm. i have on my you know on my desktop on a day i can see where people are making weather checks so we can see where a cool handler or can view up and is making a check on what weather and what period so actually i feel like sometimes we in real time we can actually see what impacts are happening from the weather more than you know almost as much as as anyone else and you know one central location particularly for things like thunderstorms it's quite it's quite useful you can you can see and you can just start see these bubbles you can see on the radar mm. big storm coming through and then you start seeing the calls popping up minutes people, later you can start yeah. to see people calling in and it wow. often can pick up and it can actually even show you with that because we've got eyes on the ground everyone who's got insurance person will maybe make a call so sometimes yeah. the media will go and there'll be one big storm they'll be all talking about that but we just see a little pocket somewhere else that yeah we've got you know major event big flooding 
I'm on occasion, but you start to see another pocket and you suddenly go, oh, look, we should have looked at this. There's a, you know, there's a secondary line. There's a very yeah. small storm. Just you get that immediate through. verification of what's going on by people yeah. phoning in. So I would just like to say I have never experienced a Spanish plume event here for all the years I have been here. So uh, in the UK, probably one of the bigger causes of thunderstorms in the summer, at least, is something called a Spanish plume event. And I have yet to see one. They're very obvious on the satellite and radar, but they do create, they're incredibly hazardous. I mean, beautiful from a meteorological perspective, mm. but actually incredibly hazardous to the public and people on the ground. And it is one of those situations where you do get that flash flooding. Like things happen quickly. Water, things happen really, really quickly with water. And it can be certainly, even the highest resolution models can surprise you with what actually happens. It's very hard to know the exact kind of inner workings of a thunderstorm. I mean, you can yeah. see it in, you know, in, in five minutes or so, but actually modeling it, it, it's incredibly complicated. It kind of puts it into context how advanced some of the tools are that you have in the insurance industry. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, actually, if you look on a, on a kind of a daily view or, you know, particularly like, say, in this country, and I'm not done anything too much in the states or whatever but it can just matters where exactly the thunderstorms form it can have a huge a huge difference on the impact mm -hmm. so we can have two days of a spanish plume so from a meteorological point of view they look exactly the same forming up coming in and in close and if the storm say fell over central london huge huge you know like hundreds and thousands of claims coming in per insurance across the whole market next day exactly the same issue and it can just form maybe 20 miles just slightly further north just yeah. priced into yeah. kind of maybe cambridge and nothing else and you'll see no 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 activity so as a forecast you've gone well these are the two the same days uh can look in the end but the actual the impact on the ground so again we're always yeah. trying to look look to improve that improve mm. our as well our communication but as you can imagine at the moment it's still to get that resolution to know exactly where the strongest yeah. storms are going to yeah. be is just so it's not it's definitely worth as well just talking about like, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you know, a 20 mile difference in the complexity of actually modeling the atmosphere is nothing on a global scale. But if you happen to be living 20 miles south in a busy urban yeah. area or it's 20 miles, that is absolutely massive. And that is the difference for somebody on the ground saying that forecast was right, that forecast was wrong. But looking yeah. at it from a slightly more macro point of view, you know, that was incredibly accurate that you actually, you know, got that correct. But yeah, it's um, it just goes to show how wonderful the weather is. And it's pretty amazing that we still have so much of a journey to go in terms of that smaller scale resolution yeah. of modeling, which is why insurance is incredibly complicated. I think this is where, again, well, I think I'm, I'm quite lucky or I quite enjoy my job because we, I think we work on the kind of macro level. I think this is where we're kind of our uniqueness as a, a particular as a company and with insurance is that, it's that kind of macro. It's looking at each individual event, but trying to be able to sum them up to give the kind of impact across the whole of the country. So it's, it's not like a TV forecast, you know, where you've got like 60 seconds to describe the weather mm. across the UK for the next week and you not say you're painting it with broad brushes or you know you're going here's the storms here's where it's going on it's not the kind of forecasting say down for like a, a wind farm or a crane where it's just like one location it either hits or it doesn't for us we're kind of having to bridge the gap between the two and go 
what's the likelihood of it happening at each one of our important locations, it becomes very kind of almost statistical and probabilistic mm. across it for us to generally try and get at what the actual total impact will be at the yeah. end. But And it's a again, different forecast as well, isn't it? Because obviously TV broadcasting is an overview, whereas if you're yeah. on a wind farm, you want to know there's a thunderstorm, but you want to know how frequent is that lightning going to be? Is it going to be one strike yeah. or is it going to be one of those storms that just gives you continuous, continuous strikes of lightning? If that case, mm. the likelihood is you're going to have to shut down production mm. on it or whatever. So that's, a, that's another difference as well. And equally as well, if it's too windy, you have to shut your wind farm down, which sounds exactly. it's kind of ironic in the nature of it, but it's actually very dangerous to have it too windy mm. and have your turbines going around just worth mentioning as well actually a spanish plume event normally occurs here in the summertime and it's about heat well there's sort of three elements to it you need a sort of a drier layer coming from africa and that sits over a layer across the continent and as that layer pushes northwards it's probably you've got like you know at least 24 hours of this actually happening to establish the setup of it basically the heat gets so hot during the day eventually you get something called, the lid gets popped on it and you get these incredible storms that are created they travel across the channel they pick up moisture there as well and that's what a spanish plume event is just all i'd say that's an extra weather wisdom for everyone there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so if it's wrong no, it wasn't so. wisdom <laughs> something like that <laughs> something like so, that so i was gonna say so in your job chris you're able to do forecasting but you also do modeling as well you do you build the models as well yeah so again we've, we've talked a little bit about how we do the kind of impact and impact kind of modeling so i kind of help and help with the development of that themselves uh recently i've been doing a lot about kind of developing and using getting direct model output and getting it in a kind of an easier format to understand for a forecaster in the morning i think mm-hmm. i think from a meteorologist point of view there's almost too much data out there. Oh, yeah, I, yeah absolutely. Yeah. There's, I mean, the ensembles so of ensembles of ensembles. And, you know, as forecasters, we have very little times in the mornings. And it's always ridiculously yeah. early in the morning. You have to get up to look <laughs> yeah. what, what, you know, what's going on and be able to kind of sum the weather up quickly yeah. and easily. And again, like I said, sum the weather up from an impact point of view mm. to get those, those figures and those things things in it so I I do take direct model output look at the differences can start doing things with return periods but also just kind of show a suite of ensembles together and go what is the key factor we're most interested in what can we view that can we view that easier can we make this uh, almost give some kind of machine learning within the system itself so it can kind of pick up and go this is interesting we can look at this in more detail Mm. uh, going forward so that as a forecaster we can see where the models are consistent, where they're not consistent, where is the areas of uncertainty God, you're kind of yeah. macro level. You're reminding me of the stress of the 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 yeah, the tiny forecasting detail that and the technicalities of forecasting. And actually it's hard. It is it's hard, it's, it's challenging, and it does bear it's a responsibility that you know that you do you you carry you know there's so many different jobs and we've all done very different jobs as well in forecasting it's gosh some days are tough tough going which brings me on to Chris what is your favorite part about the job okay now this is going to be feel like I'm pandering but it's definitely the people it's definitely 
the weather community and I'm oh, not I love this keep that. going keep going keep going keep going <laughs> but I feel like we said we talk about it and we it's a really complicated job and it's a really thing but I feel like it's a field that you only get into if you truly love I don't yeah. there's yeah. no one kind of like that. everyone who's you meet within the field no matter what they do whatever kind of forecasting they do you can go and you can just go right let's talk about the weather and everyone loves it and everyone they loves do, it yeah. absolutely core, it's almost like a core feature of their personality is yeah. they love the weather <laughs> yeah it's almost like you love the weather first and then you find a job that you could do yeah and i don't know yeah. there's not many other jobs and my friends that do lots of other things and talk about it but i still don't know another kind of real job that like almost every single person you meet just really loves you know loves that aspect of it so kind of talk yeah. through it here, and the, other here. Thing is, it's, the second thing is it is impossible to be a one-man band with me yeah. it has to be mm. has to be a teamwork you can't it's kind of humanly impossible for one person to be on top of all of the weather across the whole of the globe all the time 24 7 you can't it's you know every single model there's so much data things out there you have to work with other people you have to communicate yeah. you yeah. have to develop and move new kind of aspects forward you need to understand as well the like so we all so forecasting or meteorology has or atmospheric physics has a language to it and you really need to understand that language of the person that you're talking to and how they visualize what's happening in the atmosphere the physics of what what they're actually looking at and that gets translated into another language and everyone has a slightly subtle different thing that they look at or they have favorite things that they look at you know some people love I don't know working with you know dry bulbs wet bulbs whatever whichever it is that you want like everyone has their little thing that they go to their little nuggets that they try and pick out yeah yeah they're trying to forecast one part of the weather they might have certain elements that they'll look at Mm, where someone else might look at something else yeah 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 I've got a few up my sleeve that I yeah. use when it comes to certain things <laughs> we must yeah, get them out that. of you Gemma no no <laughs> certain things I do when I'm doing snow forecasting so oh my god seems to work so fast so it seems to work so far so keeping them under my sleeve wet snow <laughs> why why anyway oh, um, see my secret is, is is that I don't know anything so we like insurance we don't really um matter too much about snow which is great you know mostly it's freezing the cold temperatures but I do remember when I was working in the same company as Gemma that I was like is it is it worth me kind of learning all these like snow tricks I'll just go and ask Gemma so instead of having to learn it <laughs> is, so is kind. a really good cup of tea and I just go oh Gemma uh, yeah. make you a cup of tea uh, what do you think and I'll just do the snow forecasting for you yeah, oh, okay. like, oh, cup of tea. here you go here we go 100 meters and but stuff. see so Chris is... that is a really important tool right there so you know Gemma was the tool in that case and you didn't <laughs> exactly. have to program it you just needed a cup of tea even better just a cup of tea it's true we'll cup of tea on a night shift and I'll do the snow forecasting for you <laughs> and it's yeah. chocolate orange oh and it's oh, chocolate orange, orange. <laughs> so Chris you you said like okay so the you know we we know you love the weather and, and you you absolutely cannot do the or do the hours that you do as well either without actually loving the weather. What was your worst forecasting shift? Do you have one or, or a forecast that you wrote or something that was just like, oh, like stayed with you? You know, sometimes you get every now and then you get a forecast and it stays with you. It was terrible. 
Uh, yeah, I'm pleased you put like forecasting shift because I thought you, the question was going to be what's your worst ever forecast? Tell me when you go. No, like wrong. I mean, you know, <laughs> those days, you know, where it takes you a couple of shifts to shrug it off, how that it just didn't, you know, nothing, this nothing is, was. No, I was going to say <laughs> what's kind of quite weird for me. I was, I was thinking about this beforehand that I feel like my worst ever shift is potentially my like best ever shift as well. It's kind of quite weird, but I remember it was like a couple of years ago, I was on night shifts as I was. It's always worst things always happen at night and yep. we were down we were meant to there's meant to be three of us on and someone at the last minute was sick so we went down to two people so we were down a third of the people that were meant to be on it was then new year's eve so it was yeah so Ooh. meant to be bringing in the new year and i then we started at eight o'clock and at half eight the very top of scotland started to go wrong so we had to start ringing up the whole of scotland oh, just the two of us we had nothing else oh, to do God. had to ring up half eight and then nine o'clock the middle of scotland started to go wrong so we had oh, to ring no. and every half an hour it just got getting worse and getting worse and if you know anything about uh scotland on new year's eve it is just one <laughs> massive party so i was having to ring up <laughs> and I, I swear that every single one of them was at like this massive Kaylee party so I had all this like music and they uh, so I get up like ring ding ding hello and there'd be some either Kaylee band or some like 1970s classics coming through and thing and I just go this uh sorry can I just take this somewhere else get put, put on a hold and then hi how's it going and I have to explain what's wrong and I spent the whole night literally just went through almost oh, every gosh. half an hour just going across and I think as a two we rang the whole of the country by I think it was about six o'clock in the morning was the last one that's when kent started to go wrong and we ran kent and we did literally uh, the two of us went through trying to arrange things around we gave ourselves because you know it was new year's eve we gave ourselves two minutes off we didn't make any phone calls for two minutes and we enjoyed one minute before midnight and one minute after midnight oh. and the rest of the time was just solid. oh chris you're amazing absolutely oh. just solid work also we need to anxiety listening to that story it's just bad memories i know um, and we need to explain that when chris says things were going wrong he was yeah. doing road forecasting so yeah. it was going colder the people had to go out and grit the road with more cloud or yeah. it dropped a half degree right. and it was snow instead of rain or freezing so that's rain. what was going on oh, crazy yeah, so it's and it's horrible. horrible when that happens and you could just see it going down the country and like yeah. you know, just, just keep that, going just keep going that road grass hasn't yeah. bounced back up again and there's I a know. clear slot and it's gonna freeze and oh stress and oh, i think well, it was so well cold it was you. one where we had like a different wave i don't know if you, you ever had it it's like it goes colder and then it goes so it's colder you've got to like ring them back again and be oh, like because of extra frost yeah. yeah extra frost yeah. so it was almost like another wave that came through well, the best thing is we then finished uh, the two of us and our good friend Rach came in and had gotten us three bottles of Prosecco for, oh, like because we were on over the night. Of course thing. she did. And because there was only uh, two of us, we drank one. So I drank one and a half bottles of Prosecco. Yeah, good on you. On, <laughs> like at eight o'clock in the morning, just after the shift in oh. victoria in london and it was really cold and god yeah Chris. we just oh we oh, always used to have that after night shifts because obviously we would all do night shifts together and people yeah. would go off for breakfast afterwards and sometimes have a pint and you'd end a night shift thinking well technically this is my 
8 p.m. in the evening. Yeah. Is it wrong to have an yeah. alcoholic drink or is that allowed? Because technically it's my evening, but it's everyone else's morning. <laughs> the social dilemmas that you go through at the end of a night shift. <laughs> oh, God, I was always straight back to bed. I, I think most of it, maybe a breakfast, actually, maybe a breakfast. But I did an all-you-can-eat buffet once. Oh, it was great. to eat a lot? I ate a lot. I was very hungry, but then mm. I was just so tired. So I used to just go home straight afterwards. But an all you can eat buffet. But some hash have... browns, beans. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. After a night you shift. have the magical ability of the sleep during the day, Jean, the sparkle, the whatever that magic is. You're, that's, that's just. I am very lucky. I can't yeah. sleep. Yeah. Well, I used to feel bad when I'd come into shifts with, with views and you'd be like, how, how much sleep did you get? Oh, only 12 seven hours. And a half hours and you're like well, yeah. what? I only said four hours today <laughs> so if Chris, I get yeah. less than seven hours I'm like oh that's bad going between uh, night shifts yeah oh I remember goodness. you saying that once I remember coming in for a shift I think I'd had about two maybe three hours and Gemma came in and she was like oh, I've had the worst sleep I'm not going to be great tonight I've had like seven and a half hours it's not enough <laughs> for me and I was like it isn't oh, enough and, oh my goodness <laughs> Uh, do you know what actually speaking of rage i do remember she handheld me through my first snow shift on roads i will never forget that i think she basically wrote all of my forecasts for me and was like this is a forecast (laughs) (laughs) oh i have a lot to thank her for so chris quick fire round for you Gemma has some questions for you most important this is like the most important part of the whole podcast it is this is where we really find out no what, pressure. What makes Chris Chris? Mm-hmm. Okay. Favorite season? Ooh, spring. Why? Ooh, okay. What? Why? Is there follow up questions in the speed round? No, this was a follow up question. Yeah, sorry, I've just interjected there. I'm just curious. Why is it spring? Sorry. We'll continue in a minute. Uh, it's the, I think probably now it's like the end of winter. It's like, okay. I was thinking about this today, like all of my other friends, all my things. Don't know when this is coming out, but it's like it's the end of the year, and everyone's going like, "Oh, it's start of a new year." Everyone's company's like, "Right, we finished this year. What we got planned for mm. this year?" But us, we're like halfway through our busiest <laughs> period, if not going into busiest. So it's like right at the peak. So for us, yeah, we're more kind of that spring feels like a new kind of time. Yeah. It's quite nice if, if you've had. I remember like last winter or last in you know, like January and February. In March it was just storm after storm after storm mm-hmm. and then the first kind of like spring comes you get that first you forget the first high pressure and it's there for a week and you don't need to worry about the weather the and first little for a week yeah tinkle of sunshine on your skin yeah. you're like, and oh, you can go outside got a little time not stuck at your laptop trying yeah. to like forecast just get that little that first kind of like heat of the sun as well I quite like that yeah. when you've had a cold and you first put the sun on you spring so sorry that was a great answer but that was a great answer it's not no i think it's my my favorite yeah oh yeah Yeah. it's my second favorite my friends always say that i'm a bit like olaf i've done if you guys have seen frozen Uh, oh yeah yes i'm basically like a snowman and my whole job is like winter and cold and things yeah. all i do is i dream about summer and, <laughs> oh, and, and i have no 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 concept of what's actually going to happen in summer but i'm just oh. that's my thing i spend my whole time in winter wishing it was spring so yeah, i love Ola. i'm gonna change my name your name in my phone to olaf now yeah but yeah <laughs> we're just gonna have to call you olaf chris <laughs> 
Okay, I interrupted the quick fire round. Continue. It's absolutely fine. I, I can't guarantee that there won't be follow-up questions to the rest of these, Chris. Yeah. Favorite okay. cloud? Nimbostratus. Absolutely. I remember this is the exciting life that me and Gemma have. We went to the is it the Cloud Society talk? Oh, we, so we did went, go to the yeah. We, and then we queued up for ages to get our book signed from the head of yeah. the Cloud Society. And I went, uh, why was there no Stratus Cloud, particularly Nimbo Stratus, in the whole of this talk? So I feel like the whole weather. <laughs> did Gavin of... Gavin Gavin give us? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there wasn't a single Stratus Cloud. Everyone likes Cumulo. If you like Cumulo Nimbus, mm. everyone's like these fancy, unique clouds or. Also, he might take it on board and in the next one have have one of those included for you. Yeah, he should do. Also, Cluminonimus Cloud is code CB9, which is where on cloud nine comes from because it is the tallest cloud in the sky, discounting stratospheric clouds, of course, but in the actual um yeah. our you know weather atmosphere. Yeah. Lovely. I like that. When these are the good answers, answers. I, am. <laughs> I am. I feel, yeah. I still feel back to number I feel like it's such a it's such a British cloud. I feel like you get just like that grey, you know, one colour across the sky, yeah. nothing going on. It just feels it, it just feels like home to me. <laughs> You're dead right. It's you don't see as many pictures of um no. Nimbostratus clouds. I recently did something on clouds myself actually, and I struggled to find pictures of Nimbostratus cloud. It is becoming the elusive oh. cloud. Chris yeah, will have I... photos. He takes he sent me a photo once of a Nimbostratus cloud. <laughs> I am tempted. We'll see what happens. I am tempted to make up the boring weather society. Oh, of clouds. <laughs> of clouds. And uh, just, I will be the head just, of that. Thanks very much. There's not a cloud I don't love or identify when I see it. I'm like, oh, that's a lovely example of that. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, I know what's going to happen. Clouds are the best. Yeah, so They're just, the best. Yeah, just. It's going to be the clouds that are underrepresented underrepresented clouds there you go the nimbus well trousers. i need to be part i need to be part of this as it well it is now, a very in the name very the, british the group cloud <laughs> it's true i love it Gemma. you will copyright that one don't worry we'll get on to it i think is my favorite word to say even though i can't really pronounce it very well kind of fair weather cloud mm-hmm. what mm. cumulus or cumulonimbus cumulonimbus the thunderstorm cumulus humorous Oh, cumulus, oh, cumulus, they are the best because you ne- you can like it on any one day, depending on what time that cumulus, humulus develops, just gives you yeah. such insight into what's actually going to happen to the day, how quickly it grows, yeah. whether it grows or not, does it start to flatten out and turn into a strata cumulus cloud or does it build into something else? Or is this just a little yeah. cumulus, luminous that popped along before your weather front comes along? I love the cumulus, humulus. It's a great name as well. The icon of the cloud world. Oh, that's so lovely. It's very poetic. That's lovely, Chris. That really cheered me up. <laughs> okay. okay, back to the quick fire. Sorry, okay, this is yeah, a great conversation. Bring it in. <laughs> okay, custard creams or bourbons? Bourbons. For Good the record, shout. I'm looking They're at Chris's face on Zoom and it just dropped open like there was a moment of like, oh, I don't know. What do I choose? <laughs> I don't know. And then I say, remember that Bourbons was one of the favourite kind of snacks on shifts. Yeah. They remind me of Gemma. Well, I think For I probably a good couple used to like those. creams. Mm-hmm. Then I became a meteorologist and Bourbons seemed to be more popular mm-hmm. in They're the great on a night shift. 
slowly although the packets don't open great if you get a double packet you know if it's not in a single that is true actually Yeah, and also I'm one of those people that I have to eat them in pairs so I can never just eat one or three it has to be an even number because I can't leave one on its own in the packet this is fascinating <laughs> what <laughs> Why? It might be more... <laughs> because that one on its own is likely to fall out whereas the two together keep them in place do you know what's really interesting I naturally I'm gravitate. doing the same I'm doing I know. Yeah. I'm doing fantastic that. movements <laughs> on, 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 on Zoom to show everyone how this is together. You like naturally gravitate towards even numbers. I would naturally gravitate towards odd numbers. Like I would never, if I went swimming, I would never put my stuff in a locker that was an even number ever. See, I naturally gravitate towards even numbers. Yeah, mm. I do. Oh, I'm the opposite. But the bulb, uh, but I mean, the bulbins is more to do with the fact is I don't like leaving one on its own because it it's, it, might it be falls lonely. out. Whereas, it's true, and then together they stay. If you have a pet company, they stay together in the little line. <laughs> and also, it's an extra one for me to eat. And probably the main reason, isn't it? <laughs> for sure. Chris, what do you are you gravitate towards odd or even numbers? I think if I gravitate to anything, I'll probably gravitate like towards prime numbers. Mm. If I have, uh, mm. if I suddenly have something, mm. if I can stop on a prime number, that always goes. Feels good. Special. I mean, it does it mean that you end up kind of 11 or 13 bourbons? But... That's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was on the floor by then. Just one more. <laughs> the only thing with that is I dunk mine into tea. So by the 13th biscuit, your tea might be getting a little bit cold. Well, the tea is just, just really saying. there as a gesture or like a reason to just start the eating of the biscuit. It doesn't necessarily mean the tea gets finished. It's sort of like it would be rude not to, you know. To just true. dig in, and, and I, I drop biscuits in my tea all of the time. Oh, yummy! I don't know whether I should say this on the pod, and you can obviously cut this out if it needs to. <laughs> now I it's staying one. in. <laughs> we'll see where it is first. <laughs> this is how close I have once hoovered biscuit crumbs off ash. Oh Please tell that story. This is staying in. Oh my god. I don't know this story. What happened? Oh my God. Please tell the story. So we were, yeah, we were around at our mutual friend Rachel's house and Ash must have been, we were eight months, it was you post eight months pregnant with your two lovely boys and you were just, just absolutely worn out. And I was there and you and Rach, as you did, you did this before you were even uh like pregnant would just sit on the sofa and be like oh let's just be comfortable so I wasn't so I was like I'll go make you a cup of tea and bring you some biscuits not my house but fine you guys were just there just nattering away for ages I came you know gave them stuff and Ash was like oh this is the best I've not stopped honestly for ages and then she just looked down and went oh it's just had you know largely just like I've got I've got crumbs all over me and this comes all over the floor and I was like oh there's Rachel's small little like vacuum hoover won't this oh I'll just clean up the floor and I was, then I said this is a joke I was like oh I can just hoover you and Ash just went yeah you know what I can't even be bothered to stand up and not know just hoover me and then so I ended up just literally she kind of just like her t-shirt down and I just ended up bringing this hoover up and down oh, it was so pregnant it was so hard it was the best day ever I got to eat and you hoovered the crumbs off me 
and honestly when I finished too I've never seen anyone seem more relieved it was almost like yeah. you've been to like bar or something else you just so relaxed you went Oh, yeah, I know was, it was like I didn't have to try and stand up I didn't have to try and apologize over the crumbs I, I mean I couldn't even I don't even know how I sat down let us stand up anyway oh I have such a happy memory for that that was just that was the best that's you know someone's your good friend because they're like well I just two for you okay <laughs> <laughs> that's two people that have done night shifts together that's yeah that's, and, you know. that's just somebody who knows how to look after somebody that was that was just incredibly sweet <laughs> That's a great story. I didn't know that story. Yeah, yeah. I actually forgot about that. Oh, that was really nice. <laughs> Happy days. Anyway, um, okay. kind of fair. This is not a quick fire round. I, I know, I know. <laughs> tea or coffee? Tea or coffee? Tea on a shift, coffee before a shift. Okay. Mm. Snow, yes or no? Yes, now that I don't have to really forecast it. Okay. Crisps or chocolate? Chocolate. <sighs> okay. Fingers for toes or toes for fingers? Uh, fingers for toes. Okay. And then this the final one. know what that is. I had to get somebody to explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> On one of the podcasts, we we had to explain to Ash. What, she was what? a little bit confused about We could see her trying to work out what was going on. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> and one last thing is one thing you wish everyone knew about the weather. I think just how beautiful it really is I feel like it's a thing that sometimes when you learn a subject and you kind of like learn more about it you go and you see the like the nuts and bolts behind it and you go oh and I kind of know the science behind it now but kind of as a mathematician that the more science you know and the more kind of in depth and stuff like it just makes it even more beautiful and it makes it you just see the the randomness in it with also the structure and the kind of chaotic nature but also the order I think, yeah, just the, the true beauty of how the weather really is. Mm, that's very, um, yeah, it's very philosophical. It is true, though, the physics involved in modeling the weather just, and also as like going forward, we've got like ocean, ocean atmosphere coupled models. And we now know actually it's becoming more and more important to understand more about stratosphere, the mesosphere, the ionosphere, and the global teleconnections. <laughs> it is beautiful that is a lovely description of that that's made me very happy i've got a big <laughs> smile on my face now <laughs> i have left this podcast loving the weather even more <laughs> mission accomplished <laughs> yes mission accomplished um right and so we're going to leave now with actually some weather wisdom we finally we should get to the end of the podcast otherwise i, I suspect this conversation may go on for a, a lot longer hours it was yeah. hours. <laughs> I must apologize. Whenever me and Gemma were on shift, we did get told off quite a lot for how much we used to talk. Oh, oh that's how you get through us. We did our work as well. I just want to point it out. We did do our work. Oh, yeah. Forecast never went out late. <laughs> also, Gemma types like she's fake typing. It sounds like it when you're typing on the keyboard, like it's not oh, what, real. Because, because I type so fast. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, so it's like if you didn't hear, you'd think she was in a movie just going, actually she is <laughs> anyway we were going to leave always you. got some sort of spelling mistake in it though so i would have to go back and check it but oh, that's why it's terrible when software well not so much now didn't have spell check in it oh no oh not good especially on a night shift <laughs> 
Right, we're going to do a little bit of weather wisdom. I'm going to explain uh, raining cats and dogs. So there's actually quite a couple of explanations for where this first started appearing and where the expression came. One of them um, actually comes from the Greek expression katadaxa, which means contrary to experience or belief. So raining cats and dogs, like you wouldn't believe how heavy it was raining. So that's where that that's one of them. Another one I like is that back in yay old times, whenever that is, when the thatch roofs were around, animals would often shelter in the roofs. And if they were made well, they'd probably, you know, the, the, the roof would stay dry and so would the dwelling as well. But if it rained really, really heavy, if the thatch wasn't made very well, the chances are animals would actually come out of the roof. And so it looked like it was raining cats and dogs, but also that it was probably a really heavy spell of rain and that the house wasn't waterproof. So there are two of them. There is actually more of them, but they're my two favourites. So that is our weather wisdom for this week. But we want to say a massive, massive thank you, Chris, for joining yeah, us thanks, today. thanks, Chris. And also bringing us thanks down memory me. lane. Yeah. It's always it's really fun hanging out with you two and talking about the weather. Thanks. Enjoy about you can that. join me on my next Likewise. shift if you were like I'll have you on zoom I'll be typing away very fast <laughs> but we want to thank you Chris thank you and thank you everyone for listening we hope you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more also if you want to subscribe to the podcast you can follow us subscribe subscribe to us on the podcast listening channel so that you never miss an episode you can also follow us on social media. On Instagram, we are for the love of weather. And on Twitter, we are the number four. This went, didn't go down too well when we were picking out the names, but only one available. <laughs> it's the number four, uh, love of weather. That's where you'll find us on Twitter. Yeah, but we'll we try do... and put it in the, in the description of the podcast as well so people can follow us. But come along. We have quizzes. We share various weather wisdoms during the week as well. And time. we just love talking about the weather. And we, like Gemma always says, we hope that you love the weather just a little bit more after listening to this and that you've learned a little bit something as well. But thank you very much for listening, Chris. Thank you so much. And until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.